0: Welcome to Just Fantasy Baseball. Just Baseball is finally bringing together a fantasy baseball podcast. We're excited to deliver preseason fantasy baseball coverage, in-season fantasy baseball coverage. I'm Colby Olsen, and I'm joined by Clay Snowden. We're really excited because we've been waiting to make this happen for a long time. Last year, you may have found your fantasy baseball coverage on Not Gambling Advice. Obviously, that's transitioned into only a gambling podcast. So we thought, you know, we need to make an actual fantasy baseball podcast throughout the year. We're going to be delivering, you know, in-season waiver wire advice. Hopefully help you win your league, Clay. Happy to be joined by you. We're gonna have a lot of fun this season. What's going
1: on? Yeah, man, I'm I'm loving this idea. I know I, I've been waiting to do it for a while. I was writing a lot about fantasy last year, and once we kind of started brainstorming, we were just waiting for the right time to drop this. And yeah, so we're we're gonna be doing all kinds of typical coverage, but we're also gonna be catering to our audience and helping answer individual questions and roster consulting and really making this more of a community feel than anything so i i'm very much looking forward to it
0: and i think the mission for us is to get rid of the fluff out of this podcast right we want to get you we want to keep it light we want to keep it fast get you the information you need to know so you can listen get in get out make the moves you need to make and so we're going to jump right in man Quite honestly, I don't think anybody really cares about us introducing uh, ourselves and telling our resume. Quite frankly, we've been playing fantasy baseball for a long, long time. We've proven that we can win at fantasy baseball, and we're we're good analysts. So trust us. If you don't trust us, keep listening and find out. But this episode is going to be basically we're going to run through all of the free agent acquisitions. So there's a lot of players that moved around this off season and we're going to run through basically all of them and just kind of analyze and see if there's, you know, any impact to these moves, whether it's a stadium change or an opportunity change, a lineup, you know, position change, whatever it may be. So there's a lot of moves to dive through. I think the logical place to start clay is a guy that actually didn't move at all. And it's Carlos Correa, who is staying with the Minnesota Twins on a six-year, $200 million deal. And, you know, he was believed to go to the Giants, now then to the Mets. And now he ends up back with the Twins. What is your first reaction to Carlos Curry back with the Twins from a fantasy perspective?
1: It's just crazy overall that this all happened, right? Um, j- just from a baseball perspective. From fantasy perspective, I mean, I love it. I I love that he's probably going to put up similar numbers to last year. Hopefully he's a little bit healthier throughout the entire season, something he's always struggled with. And uh, really the the fantasy impact it would have would be on any of those youngsters coming up, right? Like a Royce Lewis at shortstop, but he's been injured, right? And he's injured again and he might play the outfield. So I think it would have had more of an impact if he went to a different team. I love it and I'm glad that he's saying it in Minnesota and good on Minnesota for bringing him back.
0: Yeah, I mean I think if he went to the Mets it really would have that would have been a boost to his fantasy value. I don't think it really hurts his fantasy value staying in Minnesota. That lineup is still pretty deep. I mean if you look last year what he did, he had a really really fantastic season. Uh 291 22 bombs, you know, 70 runs and 64 RBIs isn't exactly what you're looking yeah. for from a top, you know, top caliber fantasy asset. Um, but the hope is that the, this Minnesota offense continues to get better. You have a healthy Buxton next year. You have a healthy Royce Lewis. Um, Miranda will be there for the full year. They have a lot of young, exciting players. So I think, you know, I don't think it's a boost to his, his outlook, but fun nonetheless. I'm excited to see what happens. Um, let's move on to a trade that happened recently. Uh, a big trade Dalton Varshow who is is highly valued in the fantasy community because he has that catcher eligibility, was traded for Gabriel Moreno, who's another big-name shortstop or catcher prospect, that is, and then also Lourdes Gurriel, who has some fantasy value in there. What was your first reaction to this trade?
1: I thought that was a great trade for the Diamondbacks. They traded from a position of depth and strength, and they traded probably somebody who's closest to free agency, somebody who has proven that they have that power bat, playing catcher in an elite outfield. I loved it still. I love the move. You get a promising young catcher who is a top five, top ten prospect overall. Plus, you get a guy you can play first DH, left field, a little bit all over. It's been a while since he played kind of more of the infield. but And he was great last year. He's not putting up power numbers, but... You know he's a totally respectable player and brings a right-handed bat to that lineup into that outfield that was so lefty-heavy.
0: Yeah, I I am most excited about this trade because we finally get to unleash Gabriel Moreno. I mean, yeah. I, I was we were talking about it a lot last year. Moreno is one of the top dynasty prospects, and now he's going to have a ton of value in a redraft league. Right now, his ADP is right around two fifty to three hundred, maybe a little higher than that as as the year approaches because now he does have an opportunity to to be in the lineup um quite a lot. I mean if he gets 400 plate appearances I'm excited to see what he can do. I mean at the MLB level last season he hit 319 and then in the minor leagues last year AAA he hit 315. So this is a this is a catching prospect that at 22 years 23 years old now could come up and and literally hit 300 out of the gate. Um the one question I do want to ask you about Varsho is that right now his price is insanely high his adp right now is around 41 so you're 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 spending you know a a top three a top four pick on this guy i know he has the steals at a premium position at catcher which doesn't happen but is this guy is this a guy that you would be targeting at that price point
1: i wouldn't i just think that there's other ways to go about it i would rather try to get steals somewhere else and it's it's another thing when you change teams you just don't know about how much you'll run. And we see it all the time happen where maybe you run more, maybe you run less. It's just one of those deals that I would rather have somebody else than Varsha on my team, especially depending on your league and um, all like, if you're in a points league, a lot of people last year saw him as super valuable, but you know, it all, if you have strikeouts in your points and um, I think Varsho's is a fine player to have in fantasy. I would not pay that price for him.
0: I agree. I agree. So let's move on to some pitching acquisitions um, because there's been a lot of them. So, I mean, you obviously start with Justin Verlander moving to the Mets. I don't think there's much that changes from him moving to one of the best teams in the league, Houston to another one of the best teams, New York Mets. I don't think we really need to stay on that one for too long. Okay. And you have kind of a, uh, a similar uh, outcome for Carlos Rodon. Although the one thing for Carlos Rodon is one, he moves to a better team in the New York Yankees. So maybe that helps his win projection. But he moves out of Oracle Park in San Francisco, which is one of the friendliest pitcher parks in the league, to Yankee Stadium, which you know people talk about the short porch all they want. Yankee Stadium is about as neutral of a ballpark as you can find, um, but it's still a harder ballpark to pitch in than Oracle Park.
1: Do you think that's going to impact him, or is he just too good? I think it does impact him, honestly. I think the lineups you're playing against too um, are not as different like, you know, within the division is what I'm saying, you know, the divisions both have some top-end teams now. Orioles are on the rise. Tampa Bay is always going to be pretty good. The Red Sox are kind of in between right now. Not sure what to think about them. And, you know, out when he was in the the NLS they had the Dodgers and but you were also getting some cupcake lineups uh, from time to time. So I do think that maybe just slightly his value will go down, but or his production will go down, but maybe not even enough to truly notice in fantasy.
0: I I truly think Carlos Rodon is the type of pitcher where it it really doesn't matter um, because he attacks guys. That's his thing. He attacks guys. He gets a ton of strikeouts. weak contact Um, the big moment doesn't scare him. If anybody's going to succeed in the New York market, I think it is Carlos Rodon. Um, So I'm really excited to see how he performs there. I mean, yeah, it's going to be exciting. Another guy that I'm, I'm intrigued by, because he had a breakout season last year is Tyler Anderson. He moves over from the Los Angeles Dodgers to the Los Angeles angels. And this, this question really isn't so much about if, if Tyler Anderson can make the move or how that really impacts him, but can he do what he did last year? He had a 2.57 ERA, 3.1 X ERA. He didn't strike out that many guys, you know, only seven per nine, but he was, as unhittable as it got last year.
1: These are the type of players I stay away from. And it's just a principle thing. That This is like a draft strategy thing from me. And I understand why people would jump on him, but players of his age that kind of have a career year, kind of more or less out of nowhere, I know that he was productive in the past. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to buy high on those type of players. I would rather use that money or that slot to take a younger player who could reach a new level than taking an older player who reached the highest level at age 33 or whatever it is, or two. or So me personally, I'm going to stay away from him. I understand where people would want to get that. And you're leaving the Dodgers, one of the best organizations, um, and going to the Angels, which is still going to be a good team, but how many times do we say that and they're not, right? The interesting thing about it is
0: I'm a little shocked by where his ADP is at because I thought it would be higher. Like you were just talking about how you know you're gonna have to buy him at his high. But actually, his his price right now is pretty reasonable at you know 260 to 270 ADP, right around guys like Bailey Ober, Brandon Marsh, Jose Urkeidi, Hunter Brown, who's a rookie, right? Honestly, Tyler Anderson is a pretty intriguing guy. Would you rather have him price. or Hunter Brown? I chase upside. So probably Brown, but I I don't know. I, I'm I would be happy with a Tyler Anderson at that price point. I think. Yeah. Um. So let's move on. A few more names that I, I want to bring up. Noah Syndergaard is one. Ross Stripling is another. And then Chris Bassett uh, to kind of finish that off. And then we'll move to the the Texas guys. Well, Tyler Anderson is no no. Never mind. I'm thinking of Andrew Heaney, but uh, Syndergaard is interesting cuz his price point right now is absolutely free at like ADP 450. You might not even need to draft him, but he goes to the Dodgers. Do you think that the Dodgers can, you know, make him a reclamation project?
1: This is one I keep struggling going back and forth with because there was times last year where he looked pretty good after missing so much time and then struggles hit and it was one of those deals at one point I just I had him on my team briefly. Dropped him and just said, I think I'm done with Noah Syndergaard entirely in my fantasy career. Like, I think that was it. Then he crawls to the Dodgers. And I'm like, oh, man, do I do it? Like, is this the next project that they kind of fix and whatnot? Um, and after thinking about it, like, I, I think I would t- take kind of a flyer on him.
0: And you're Why getting not? a really good
1: team. He's going to get wins if if you're playing in a category league or even a points league that rewards wins. Like, I think he will have more win opportunities. How deep in games will he go that could really ultimately affect it?
0: For me, you go back to Tyler Anderson, who went to the Dodgers last year on a one-year deal. They changed the shape of his slider, made it more of a sweeper, and he had more success with it. I look at a guy like Noah Syndergaard, who was striking out you know, nine or you know, up to 10 per nine at his peak. I don't think he's there anymore, but last year he became just this ultra ground ball. weak contact guy that was striking out six per nine, right? But yeah. he doesn't walk anybody. If they can get him to get just a little bit more, just a few more whiffs, this guy could have some value. No center guard really could have some value next year um, at a price point That's basically free. Ross stripling is a guy I want to, I want to talk about because he, he was, Really, really good last year for the Blue Jays. And now he moves to Oracle Park, one of the best pitcher parks in all of baseball, as we mentioned before. Um, Ross is another guy that I'm going to be picking up late in drafts.
1: Yeah, he's, there's a whole list of players that, and it comes down to draft strategy. For me, it's like, I want one or two of those type of vets moving places, let's see what changes. And then I want the upside people, right? So he's going to be on that list for sure of like, Yeah, it could go wrong, it could go right, but you're most likely going to know quickly, right? You're going to be able to know right off the bat if things have changed in terms of how he's pitching or what his pitches look like, and that's the indication for success for the whole year. You don't have to wait three months in to figure out, oh, do I drop him or not? Like To me, it's like, yeah, take a flyer on one of those or two of those, but don't hold on if it's not looking great.
0: Yeah. Agreed. And Stripling's price is super cheap as well. Um, Chris Bass, I don't think we need to touch on too much, but he basically replaces Stripling in Toronto. All right, let's move on to Texas because they're an interesting team. Let's start off with Jacob deGrom. Jacob deGrom is one of the, if not the most polarizing fantasy baseball players up there with Mike Trout because when they're on the field, they are the best Quite possibly the best. Jacob deGrom is the greatest pitcher of all time when he is on the mound, um, but he just hasn't been on the mound. And right now his price is, you know, he's about the 30th player off the board right now, um, which at your second or third pick, you need to be banking on this guy to be putting up 150 innings. What are you setting the line at right now for Jacob deGrom? What are you predicting the amount of innings he throws this year
1: man it's so hard to tell at this point in the year I'm not drafting him at all and I wouldn't do that last year either because he goes so high and it's I'm I'm not that risk adverse and it's one of those deals would you rather have you know the risk adverse Jacob deGrom at your top whatever pick it may be first two rounds or would you rather take a safer player with less of an injury track record? Age comes into factor, new ballpark, everything changing. I, I, I'm i out on Jacob DeGrom. And I know he's phenomenal. It's just I don't want that on my team. I would rather have even a slightly worse player that's going to pitch, right? I mean, it's cool to have him on your IL.
0: Would you rather have Jacob DeGrom or Sandy Alcantara? Like
1: Exactly. Is it even a conversation? I don't think it's a conversation. I, I did not draft him last year at all. He was available, did not draft him. I take another draft strategy thing. If you're going to take a swing on an injury player, it better be after you have at least half of your lineup. Like, I think I took Tat- Tatis at, in a 10-man league at like 88th overall or something last year. That's the type of swing I want to take after I've established a foundation of my roster, not in the first or second, third pick. No. Um, no. Which is the same reason why Mike Trout is also so intriguing.
0: Yeah, because absolutely. He falls under
1: the same exact category.
0: All right, we've been talking about pitchers. I mean, Nathan Eavaldi, Andrew Heaney, they're also additions to Texas. I don't think we really need to touch on them, but let's move over to some hitting conversation. Shortstops in new places. Correa stayed in, in with the Twins, but you have Dansby Swanson going to the Cubs, Trey Turner going to the Phillies from the Dodgers, and Xander Bogarts leaving Boston to San Diego. I think let's start with Xander because... Fenway is such a unique ballpark and a place that Xander I think shined in Fenway because he could pepper the Green Monster, right? But his power was down last year, evidently down, right? His ex-WOBA was much lower than his woba. He had like a 3.10 average and a 2.60 x batting average. But how much of that power decline is him just hitting the green monster and getting doubles instead of home runs? Do you think yeah. there is an element to that where now he's moving to San Diego um, and, and and some of those doubles can turn into home runs?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think that's totally possible. I also think he's going to be in a lineup that takes some pressure off of him. He probably had a lot of pressure on his shoulders at times in Boston last year, especially when Trevor Story got off to a slow start and he probably felt like he had to carry a lot of weight. Um, he's in a, you know, a fresh new place now. He's surrounded by awesome hitters. He's going to be able to get RBIs, which, you know, is obviously going to help his fantasy value. I I see him having a really good year. And of those lists of those three, I think I might put him, it's one or two with him and Trey Turner. I, I would still go Turner, but I think Dansby's like, the obvious three and i don't even think it's that close for me
0: so trey turner is the number one fantasy yeah. shortstop i think that's pretty clear at this point um dansby swanson is actually being taken ahead of xander bogart's in drafts right now about 10 slots higher dansby's adp and this is per nfc uh draft adp 79 versus 88 for xander
1: that's Who pretty would you would rather have
0: I'm going to be staying away from Xander this year, but I'm probably going to be staying away from, from Dansby as well and be staying away from both of these guys this year. Cause I just want to see how they, they, you know, reacclimate. I also was very concerned with Xander's underlying metrics. As I mentioned, like the power was not there. He was, I'm a Red Sox fan for anybody not aware. Um, he was the king of the blooper and the king of the chopper that got through the infield last year. I mean, it was pretty amazing. I know we we use hyperbole a lot to describe those things like this guy was lucky. No, like Xander Bogarts really did find every hole that he could last year to muscle out the 315 that he hit.
1: There's plenty of younger shortstops. If you don't want to take one of these players, you know, there's you. You could go with upside and take Give know, me like wonder Franco. Yeah. Or if you wanted to really go with, you know, like a Gunnar Henderson or something, if you really want to swing yep. for the fences, um, you know, there, there's a lot of options at short. Even like a Bobby Witt, who I know wasn't perfect last year or anything, but if you're betting on like kind of a a big sophomore year from a player like that, you know, you don't well, have Bobby to Witt, one spend one of these short A, a stops. first
0: round pick on. What's that? You gotta spend a first rounder on, on Bobby Witt. Yeah. Um, okay, so Let's move over to DH's trading trading places because I think this one's kind of interesting. You have Justin Turner going from LA to the Boston Red Sox, and then you have J.D. Martinez going from the Boston Red Sox to LA, not in a trade, literally just in free agency. They're like, all right, well, let's just see how each other likes the other team. Why not? Why don't we? Who do you like more here? Do you like Turner this year or J.D. Martinez?
1: I really don't like either that much. Um, I think Martinez played well. His power was way down last year's 16 home runs now he only played in 139 games but 16 home runs is the lowest output that he's had in a full, full season and I just wonder about the age and both of these players are you know approaching the twilight years of their career and you're talking about a player in JD Martinez who's going to the Dodgers and I think that's going to be a good lineup I would rather have him than Turner now I had Turner at the beginning of last year, and he frustrated me so much that I ended up dropping him in a 10 Man, and then he bounced back. And I had no idea he had a 123 WRC plus last year. Like he he kicked it in in the second half a little bit, I guess. But I, you know, the, you're you're looking at two older players who I think could start falling off. Um, but I would still go with JD Martinez just because of. I think he's in a better lineup, and I I just like that fit. Uh,
0: Yeah, I think I'm most excited to see how Turner plays in Fenway um, because the stadium is just so unique, and if there's anywhere where he can really shine at age 38, it's at Fenway Park, Um, but I think these two are really, really close. I like that J.D. Martinez is going to be um, linking back up with his old hitting coach, linking back up with Mookie Betts, who he's had a great relationship for. You know, since they were in Boston together and won the World Series together, um, you know, I think it's a good chance for both of these guys to, you know, find a a late career re-energizing. It's a re-energizing
1: move for me. It's either going to be that or it's going to be one of those things 10 years from now. You find one of their baseball cards and it's gonna be like, when did J.D. Martinez play for the Dodgers? You know, it's like that last year going out thing. Yep. And it's going to be one or the other.
0: All right, let's move on to the Japanese players coming over to baseball this year. You got Kodai Senga that signed with the Mets and Masataka Yoshida signed with the Red Sox. Senga is a, a, a starting pitcher. Yoshida is a corner outfielder slash DH. He's going to play enough outfield to have outfield eligibility. Um, let's start with Senga. What are you expecting to share from him?
1: I never know what to expect half the time with the players coming over from Japan. Some seem to hit the ground running. Um, A lot have struggles at first. It's kind of a wait and see game with, with most of them with fantasy looking through his stats though, in 11 seasons, a 2.42 ERA um, 1.09 whip only. I mean, he walked 3.4 per nine. You know, I, I do like the fit in New York, but that is a big stage high expectations. I'm waiting to see on him.
0: I agree. I agree. I, we can't even see what his ADP is currently at. Um, but you're going to have to think you're going to have to spend a high draft pick on this guy because he's going to be hyped. There's a lot of hype coming with the Mets yeah. this season. Um, people are going to be clamoring to get him. And he's had amazing numbers in Japan. 2.42 ERA in Eleven seasons over in Japan, so this is a guy that that is going to be coming over and having success. Or was that maybe
1: one strategy here? And this is kind of bold, but if you select him with the idea of trading him pretty quickly, like to me, like that's a player I could select. A lot of people are hyped about him, and I could flip him quickly in the beginning of the season for two players or maybe one player that I think is. You know, looking better. You know, I I think he'd be a good trade chip because yeah. the because of the unknown, but because of the hype too. And if you can get him, if you're a little bit more we're willing to risk it and flip him,
0: Yoshida is the interesting one for me because he is going to be hitting lead off in this Red Sox lineup, and a lot of the buzz around him has been killed. I would say there's been a lot of yeah. reports that have come out and been like, I can't believe this guy was paid this much money. Um, we're not sure about him. And and I've heard a lot of things that are saying the opposite. This guy seems like the type of hitter that he doesn't strike out. He's had, he had 42 strikeouts to 82 walks. Last I was going to
1: say that. Yeah. I saw that like, today. I was like,
0: are you kidding me? <laughs> if there was ever a profile that was to translate, from another league to Major League Baseball, it's that profile with, yeah. and he does have sneaky poppy at twenty one home runs last year. I don't know if he's going to hit twenty one home runs in Major League in the in the majors this season, but even if he hits twelve to fourteen, he's hitting lead off. He's hitting above three hundred potentially, and I think his price is going to be lower than it should be. So I'm going to be targeting Yoshida in drafts.
1: Yeah, and you know he's going to get plenty of at bats, and if he's batting lead off, he's he's going to get the most at bats theoretically each each game and on the team so yeah i i like that a lot to to fill out a spot all right let's move to
0: catchers real quick you got sean murphy going to the atlanta braves so he's he's going to a much better lineup he's coming from the oakland a's to the atlanta braves where they're one of the best teams in the league one of the best lineups in the league sean murphy is is a guy that hits the ball very very hard This is the perfect opportunity for him to gain a lot of fantasy value. He can gain a lot from runs and RBIs. He's already has the power numbers to justify a high draft pick at the catcher position. And you have William Contreras. And I want to hear your thoughts on William Contreras going to the Brewers, possibly getting more opportunity. This is a guy with a ton of juice in his bat. He might not be the best defensive catcher, but we don't give a crap about that. in fantasy baseball. Um, So what are your thoughts on him? And and is this, this is is this gonna be a player that you're targeting this year?
1: Yeah, so with Murphy, I really like that. He dropped his K percent by five percent last year. He just seems to get better and better each year. You're gonna have a much better lineup um around him as well, and probably you know probably a lot better ballparks that he's gonna be playing in more more often. With Contreras, I mean 20 home runs, one thirty-eight WRC plus, he's gonna get a ton more at bats, right? I think the Brewers are gonna give him pretty much every day at bats. Um, the main thing I'm thinking about here is he's now going to be facing the Cubs pitching staff, the Pirates pitching staff. Playing in uh, great American Reds. ballpark. Yeah. In great American ballpark. Like there's going to be some opportunities for him to really, really go off the, this year. And I, I think he will, I I'm really high on him. I was a high on him last year as well. Um, I think that this is the opportunity for him to r- really accelerate. But man, the Braves trading two, you know, productive or high prospect catchers in back to back years, and are still set at catchers. Just an- a- another tip of the cap. To, well, then he to signs it there. there per usual. Per usual. Um,
0: all right, let's finish off the episode here with, as we should, the closers. Right, you have Taylor Rogers. And he goes to the Giants, and he's going to meet up with his younger brother. I don't even know if he's younger. Actually, is Tyler Rogers younger than Taylor? I think he's older. Okay, Tyler's older. I don't know. Who cares? It doesn't really decide. matter. Um, but Taylor Rogers goes to the Giants, and he's not going to be closing, which really hurts his value. He's basically you're you're basically drafting him now as a Camilo Duval handcuff, if at all. And then you have Kenley Jantz going
1: to the Red Sox. Any thoughts on those two deals? Both of those to me are with Rogers, like I, I'm staying away. Honestly, I am for now. I I think I'd rather have Jansen, honestly, um, than Rogers. But at the same time, there's gonna be a lot of movement in the closer market early. I think that a lot of the teams that aren't competing this year are going to have all kinds of movement there. So I I'm watching the waiver wire and I'm not really married to both of those or either of those players.
0: Yeah. me neither. I mean, Kenley, I, I do like, um, because I think the red Sox will win enough games for him to have value. He's proven that he can do it time and time again. I don't see Kenley Jansen slowing down. Taylor Rogers is just a handcuff at this point. And yeah, it really shouldn't be drafted at all. Um, but yeah, man, a ton of movement. There's some guys we didn't talk about real quick. I mean, Michael Conforto just signed with the Giants. He's kind of a flyer in my opinion, although he's being drafted quite high right now. I'm like taking him.
1: player off the board. You're taking him
0: at that price.
1: Yeah. Okay. you That's like him the type back. of risk. I think that, that you are starting to get into that injury risk that I was talking about earlier. Not the first couple of rounds. You want to take a guy like that. He's the type that I would be targeting.
0: And then you have Cody Bellinger. Going from the Dodgers to the Cubs, this is a one-time MVP, which is I, I don't even know if we can if we can keep bringing up that he won an MVP because like it just doesn't feel right to me after he what did he have a forty-eight WRC plus last yeah, year it was yeah, it was something I'm, really really I'm bad. out. You're out. I'm out. I'm out. His his draft price is pretty high right now. I'm I'm pretty sure too. Cool. I'm out. <laughs> okay, and then gene segura and josh bell two to finish it out gene segura quietly just chugging along
1: yeah he'll put up a 106 wrc plus and 107 wrc plus steal a couple bags hit a couple home runs the positional flexibility if he starts playing some third and if he can get a few you know added value from playing a couple positions that would be huge it's a bad ballpark. That's my only
0: concern is that Marlins Park is a really, really bad ballpark. The last guy we're going to talk about, Josh Bell goes to the Cleveland guardians. I, I like this signing because the guardians. He should be able to find playing time there. They paid him enough. He'll be starting at first and getting plenty of time at DH. Um, It's a good lineup. Josh Bell is a super interesting case because he streaky. mashed at the yeah. beginning of last year. He's very streaky, but he mashed at the beginning of last year, went to San Diego and I always wonder, like, how that can mess with a player's psyche. Like, they're just locked in. He was in Washington, just locked in. Gets traded, and like, kind of had a lot of pressure going to San Diego yeah. because they paid a good amount for him and pooped his pants, kind of thing.
1: Yeah, he did not finish the year well, but he's a talented player. He's not going to strike out a ton. He'll get on base some. He'll he'll hit some home runs. He's a, I I like him. I had him on my team last year. I traded for him actually didn't end well but he's somebody who i'd be willing to to take another shot on
0: all right hope you enjoyed that's episode one of just fantasy baseball um we'll be coming back to you guys very very soon lots of rankings to go through lots of draft preparation hope you enjoyed talk to you soon